I try to give them one takeaway from the passage. I think that it's important that we be doers of the word, like James talks about, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And so I try to give them just one thing that they can walk away with. Today, as we walk out of this, as we've listened to God's word, this is how we can respond to this weekend. Hey, welcome to episode 32 of the Preaching Donkey podcast. I am your humble host, Lane Sebring. It's so awesome to have you joining us today. We've got a great interview today. I'm interviewing a good friend of mine. His name is Kyle Smith, and he has done student ministry for almost two decades. We're going to get a lot of insights from him on how to speak to students. So if you are a lead pastor or a small groups pastor or discipleship pastor, and occasionally you have to speak to those young people, hey, young people, (laughs) that's like pastors speak for students, teenagers. But if you have to speak to the young the young people, it can be very intimidating. So Kyle is going to demystify a little bit of that by showing his process and his heart behind how to communicate with students, which by the way, if you can communicate with students and children, you can communicate with anyone. I've always believed this. I've always taught this because if you can hold the attention of a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old, then you can hold the attention of a 46-year-old because holding the attention of the 13-year-old is incredibly challenging. So if you can master that, you can speak to anybody. So it's really important whether you're going to speak to students or not to listen in on a conversation like this. Kyle is also going to share how he keeps students connected and what leads most to life change in a student ministry. And we're going to see that it's really within a church as well. So you're really going to love this interview. It's it's awesome. We'll get to that in just a second. If you're listening on Spotify or iHeartRadio or Pandora or Apple Podcasts, any of those places, it's so awesome to have you listening. Thanks so much. Please leave a review wherever you're listening. Leave a review. It really helps for more pastors to find this show. If you're watching here on YouTube, it's great to have you as well. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and let me know in the comments what you think about today's episode what questions you have, and let's get the conversation going there. And before we get to the interview, if you are new to Preaching Donkey, I'm going to put something free in your hands. It will be a great compliment to this episode, what we're going to talk about today as we get into sermon prep and delivery, and that is my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. You can go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days, and you can get it there. It's totally free, and it's just going to walk you through a three-week, three-step process of how to create and deliver a compelling message. And so whether you're new to preaching or whether you've been preaching for a long time, there's something in there for you. So go grab that. It's at preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. And that's my gift to you. So let me tell you about Kyle. Kyle is a good friend of mine. We actually knew each other all the way back in high school, went to the same church. He was a couple of years older than me. He went into ministry, became an intern in the student ministry that I was a part of. And as I was kind of working through my call to ministry and ended up going into ministry, Kyle was like a mentor to me. He was a mentor to me. He was a couple years older. And I really looked to him as an example of, okay, here's what you do. You start doing an internship and you work really hard and you learn from the people that are older than you and that have gone before you. And I've always admired so many things about Kyle. We're going to get into this in the interview. But one of the main things I love about Kyle is he's a super humble, genuine dude, incredibly skilled, incredibly talented, he's got a great heart, a great mind for ministry, and yet incredibly humble. Like just, just one of these people that is just a salt of the earth kind of guy 
that you just can't help but like and appreciate. You're gonna love them, you're gonna love this interview, there's so much in it, so without any further delay, let's dive right in to our discussion with Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith, my good friend, it's so awesome to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's good to be here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I've talked a little bit about our history. You know, we go all the way back to high school. Uh, we've worked together before, uh, and I've always considered you a, a dear friend and a, a partner in ministry. And it's just been so cool to be able to see what you've done all these years and been able to kind of compare notes and encourage each other. And so I've talked a little bit about your 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 journey in terms of our friendship, but can you kind of just for those listening, bring us up to speed on how you got to where you are, how you got into ministry, things like that? Sure. Um, grew up in a house with uh, a teacher as a dad. He was a, dad, a teacher and a coach and um, always thought that's just kind of what I wanted to do. Saw him doing that, saw him loving it, and I loved it. And so I wanted to teach math and coach basketball. That's what I grew up wanting to do. And about the middle of my freshman year of college, God kind of got a hold of my heart. Um, I started teaching a Sunday school class with eighth grade boys. And for whatever reason, God said, this is what you're going to do now. Um, no, not, 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 not math and, and, and basketball, but we're going to, we're going to call you into ministry. And so felt God calling me tugging on my heart and pursued that started interning at our church there at first Baptist Mustang, uh, did that for about a year and a half. And then, and our pastor was leaving to go to First Baptist Jinx up in Tulsa, which is about two hours northeast of where we were. And he said, you know, um, they don't have a youth pastor. Are you interested in going? I said, sure, let's go. So I went to First Baptist Jinx. I was there for about nine years. And then God called us to back to the 405 into Norman, Oklahoma, uh, and uh, been here for about nine and a half years now. And so overall, been doing student ministry for almost 19 years. Uh, it's been quite a journey. And here we are today. <laughs> wow. So, so two decades, two, almost two solid decades of student ministry leadership. So you are, you're a veteran. Like, you're, like there's young guys who come to you and say, teach me a wise one, right? Uh, that's, that's a little true. In uh, this past week, we had what's called Super Summer, which is a discipleship camp uh, in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And I was paired up with two guys, one who was 31 and one who was 24. And they asked me bukus of questions. And I kept telling them, guys, I don't know it all. I just made a lot of mistakes. And so uh, just doing my best to, to kind of help, you know, the next generation do what they can and, and, and further the kingdom. So that's, that's awesome, man. I, I love that. And I love your heart. I've always loved that you are one of the most capable, talented people I know, and yet you're incredibly humble. So uh, that is a quality that is missing in a lot of people uh, where a lot, most people have nothing to offer, but are very prideful. You have a ton to <laughs> offer, and yet you've always been very humble. And I've always admired that about you. There's a lot of people listening who, when they uh, think about speaking to students, teenagers, young people, whatever, you know, Hey, young people. Um, it's intimidating. It can be intimidating if you are the lead pastor or the senior pastor, or, you know, you, you, you do the community groups or whatever, and you're called on, or you have an opportunity to speak to students. Um, it can be, it can be tough because we think about when we were in high school and how mean everybody was to us or whatever. And, or we get around kids and we think, I, you know, I know I, I'm not young anymore. I don't dress like they do or whatever. So for whatever reason, it can be very scary 
uh, people that are like used to communicating and speaking to uh, gen pop, you know, the general population of the church, the older, you know, adults, um, going to students can be tough. So can you kind of demystify speaking to students for us? Like, what do you do to connect with students when you speak to them? Do you have a formula that you use? Do you have kind of a plan that you go through? What does that look like? Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the things I always try to think of in my head is, is keep it simple. Um, I don't claim to be the smartest guy and uh, I'm okay with that. And I know who I am and, and, and where I'm gifted at and where I'm not. Um, and so I just try to keep it simple um, because I think that if I can communicate one truth to them that they can understand, then they can walk away with that. There's something that they can do with that. If I try to, you know, give them this deep systematic theology uh, in a Bible study, um, that may not hit the crowd. And so I want to make sure that I get as much of the audience as I can. And so um, there's just a simple little formula that I try to follow um, almost every time that I speak. Uh, and, and normally um, the, the length of time that I speak to students, just specifically, it, depending on, the, on the, the age and the group, is usually 18 to 22 minutes. Um, I feel like 22 is, man, I, I really wanted to say all this stuff and it's good stuff, but man, I got to cut it off there because their attention, you just, you can only do so much. And so, um, but the first thing I try to do is I try to introduce the topic. Hey, this is what we're going to be talking about tonight and, and, and what we're going to be walking through. Uh, and in order to do that, I kind of transition into asking them kind of a question, um, some, some way to connect them to the topic. Hey, have you ever been in this situation where you've had to deal with this? Or have you ever thought about this in this kind of way? Um, just something to start getting their brain moving towards whatever we're going to be talking about that night. And then I transition that into, well, as we think about this topic, as we think about those questions and things that we're, we're kind of moving towards, let's see what the Bible has to say tonight. Cause I think that that's super important as followers of Jesus. We want to see what the Bible has to say. So we give a little background on the passage and what we're talking about. And then we read through the scripture and kind of walk through that together. Um, I am, you know, at heart, some kind of a preacher, pastor, youth pastor. So there are points sometimes two, sometimes four, a lot of the times three. Uh, and, and that's just how it just kind of flows. It works itself out. But the, one of the, that I think about in doing that is the points help me maintain the time that I have. I can, I know that I can spend about four to six minutes on this point and four to six minutes on this point, just giving them what they need for that thing. And as I get through that, that's going to get me to right around 18 to 20 minutes as I walk through those points with them. And the main thing that I try to do is, is I try to give them one takeaway from the passage. Um, I think that it's important that we be doers of the word, like James talks about. Um, you and I used to memorize that together. Um, you know, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And so I try to give them just one thing that they can walk away with. Today, as we walk out of this, as we've listened to God's word, this is how we can respond to this. We can go and we can you know, text a friend and encourage them. We can go and try to do something with our parents to just to reconnect with them because, you know, we want to honor them and, and love them. Um, but whatever it is, is just one thing that they can walk away with. I don't want to be, hey, here's the 27 things that you can walk away with tonight, the 27 points that I want to leave you with. They're not going to remember that. They're not going to be able to, to connect to that. And so, but one thing, they can walk out and do one thing. So that, that's kind of the formula that I try to follow. 
Yeah, that's huge. I, I love the I love the one takeaway or one application because I think, and, and we talked about this as we were getting ready. I, I think a lot of pastors feel that quantity makes up for a lack of quality, right? So it's just, if I just speak for more time, you know, if I have a little bit more time, I can make up for any mistakes I made. If I give you enough applications and enough points, it'll make up for maybe the weak points. And what I love about what you're saying is, no, distill it down to the essence first, and then get up there and give the essence. And I, I think one of the things that, that's so so brilliant about that is, People are, people are not going, I mean, think about this. Do you remember the, the second point that your pastor made in his sermon on Sunday? Don't tell him, but no, I don't. No. Well, I, you know, he probably doesn't either. Right. I mean, yeah. because he's moved, he's moved on to the next sermon and you've moved on to your, I mean, that's just the way it is. So it, I think so many times people, when they communicate, will think like, oh, I've got to perfectly craft all these ideas. And that's great. And we teach that here and it's awesome. But if you can drill all of that down, even if you communicate it, because like you said, sometimes you have to, I think there's a lot of magic in three ideas or three points drawn out of something. Uh, I know we always joke kind of three points in a poems, like every Baptist sermon is like that. But honestly, there's, there's some, the rule of three, there's just something to that. So I think it's really great. But then at the end of it, to give people something that they walk away with, that is the thing that they're going to do that connects back to the passage shows how it, it, it works in real life, which is really the goal, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have so many things that are vying for our attention and trying to get us to do this and do that. And, um, you know, just the mundane noise that we hear all the time. So if we try to give them so much noise as they're walking out the door, they're not going to get it. And so just give them one thing, one thing, one thing that they can walk away with. Um, I think that that's, that's so important. One of the things that I also have uh, like about your method here, and, and this is something that I've noticed in your teaching through the years, is you are big on clarity. I mean, you begin with, you introduce the topic and you said, here's what we're going to do, kind of here's where we're going, here's why it matters. Can you talk about why that's so important to do and kind of what you, what you're using that for when you do that? I think a lot of guys um, that maybe try to tend to speak for such a long time and they're more about quantity of time and, and, and many getting many words out. Um, I think if you can be more succinct and more like to the point and, and be clear in what you're saying, you know, um, why, why would you use a ton of words and just continue to talk and hear yourself talk when you can say the same amount of stuff or say the same stuff in just short amount of time. And so, um, I think of the office and I think of Kevin, whenever he had went through this little phase of why use many words when few words do, you know, um, it's one of those things. Like if I can say the same thing with clarity and say it 10 minutes shorter, that's going to be good for them. And that's going to be good for me. And so, um, I want to make sure that they understand. So we kind of hit it and then kind of walk through it. And then, you know, it's kind of tell them what you're going to say, say it, and then remind them of what you said kind of thing, just in a different lingo or language. Um, clarity is a big deal. Cause if they walk out going, I have no idea what he said, then did you really do your job? I mean, even Paul prayed for pray, uh, help us that, pray for us that we might have clarity in speech. And so I think that that's so important that we do that because you want them to understand what you're saying. 
Yeah. You know, Andy Stanley used to say that um, people that that walk out of a, a church and they and they remark, oh, that was so deep. That was so deep. That's really code for that was confusing. I don't know what he said. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And clarity is is often uh, paired with like it, it was it was overly simple or it was uh, too simplistic or whatever. Uh, but no, clarity is everything. Like people have to, I mean, if you think about what you said with Paul's prayer, but also, you know, Paul also said that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the message of Christ. So if you can't hear, if you can't understand the message of Christ, you can't hear it. The goal of preaching is not met, right? So clarity is huge. And it seems like you're hitting clarity at the top of the message. And then at the end, right, where you're giving them that takeaway, kind of taking all of what you've said in the passage and said, now, here's the most important thing for you to do tonight, this week, whatever. Um, And I love that. I think uh, another thing that comes to mind with, with your with your two decades of student ministry experience, if we're, if we're looking at kind of moving away from just the speaking, because I know um, I was in student ministry for about 10 years. There's so much more to it than speaking, right? There's a whole, like you're, you're managing an entire church really within, within an existing church. And so uh, what are some of the things that you've learned that are, and I'm throw, totally throwing you a, a curveball here. We didn't talk about this, but when it comes to like actually, when it comes to actually impacting the lives of students, um, what it, what is like what is most important um, when you're thinking about people like eighth graders, ninth graders, tenth graders actually having and experiencing a life changing, you know, their their lives changing and them giving their life completely to Jesus and walking with Him? What are the things that contribute to that the most? Um, I think there's, there's a number of different things. Um, one thing is, is parental involvement. Um, I see the kids that have parents involved in our student ministry. They tend to, as they get into college and as they get out of college and move on, those kids tend to do to continue to pursue Christ even after. Um, and it's not because mom and dad are like, you know, you need to do this, you need to do this, but it's more they see it being lived out in their parents. And it's one of those things that it's not just do as I say, but, you know, look, I'm doing it with you and I'm I'm wanting to be here with you. Um, And so I think that that's a a big factor for those that don't necessarily have that for those that don't have parents involved as much as maybe others. um, I think that it's important that their small group leaders kind of attach to them more. Um, It's one of those things that, we try to encourage our small group leaders. Yes, they have kids that have parents that are involved. Yes, you want to pay attention to them too and love on them as well. But for those that don't have, you're the, you're the biggest influence in their life when it comes to spiritual leadership and somebody that they're looking to. Um, yeah, they can see me on Wednesday night or maybe even a little bit on Sunday morning, but they're getting to sit down and walk through a passage with you, um, walk through a Bible study with you, and they get to ask you questions and they get to hear your responses. I mean, when they ask you questions, they genuinely know, want to know what you think. They genuinely, they're asking this question because they think you have the knowledge. They're trusting you with, with that answer. And so um, our small group leaders interacting and making sure that those that don't have parents as involved are still being loved on. And maybe even just a little bit more, we want to play favorites, but 
maybe even a little bit more just to give them a chance to succeed as they go on. Um, and then the other thing that I try to do is, is try to develop community amongst our kids, amongst our students. Um, it's easier to do things when you have people doing it with you. Um, I think about, you know, working out, going by myself can be difficult sometimes. Um, you probably are the same way, but you have a community, a, a group of guys or a group of guys and girls that are doing it together, that are working hard together. It makes it easier. It makes it more fun. And it makes you want to come back the next time. Well, the same thing's true for student ministry. If our students are connecting with each other and bonding and fellowshipping and, and they're building that, that those relationships, then they're more than likely going to stick around and they're more than likely going to, to be a part of the, of the group. And so we try to develop um, certain activities and experiences that they can commute, that they can connect with, that they can bond with. And so um, that way they have those relationships. And so those are probably the three biggest things just off the top of my head um, that I can think about is, you know, making sure that they have some other than just me, other adults involved, pushing them and then that they're connecting with each other. I think those are super important. Yeah. Yeah. That's so huge. I mean, and what you said about parental involvement, I mean, I think for anybody listening that has kids that, that just sends a little bit of like a shockwave through you. Cause you go, man, like I hope it, because it doesn't matter if you're in ministry or not, like you, you can be in ministry and be uninvolved in your kid's spiritual development. Um, and because you have to be intentional, it's about having, it's having thousands of conversations over a several year period, uh, as you're having, as you're doing life with your kids, that makes a difference. And, um, man, that, that is, that, that's a, that's a huge challenge for anybody listening that has kids. And I think, I think you're right. The, the community thing is so important. People don't walk away from community, um, I don't know a single student. I, I don't know one student. And for that matter, I don't know very many grownups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I go to church because those sermons are just incredible. It, it matters. It matters to the point where if they're terrible, they, they probably will go somewhere else. But most of the time, people will put up with mediocre preaching if they're connected to other people. Um, it's about how the other people there make them feel make them feel a part of it, make them feel connected and make them feel not alone. If that's in place, then it's sticky and people don't want to, they don't want to miss out on it. Just like you said. Mm -hmm. yeah. So putting, putting an emphasis on that is really smart. Um, that's, that's a huge deal for sure. Yeah. One of the things that we do at our, we, we have this big event called Falls Creek every year. It's kind of our summer church camp. And um, one of the things we do there is we have a week long competition of games and things like this, where we put kids in family groups where there's eight to 10 kids in a family group. And we combine two family groups to be on a team. So not only are they growing closer to eight to 10 kids really close to them. And by the way, we, we don't randomly pick these groups. They get to, they're guaranteed to be in their family group with just one friend. So there's going to be seven to nine kids in there that they don't really know that well. And we do that on purpose. Um, yeah. we, them to, to have to, to kind of connect. So they're connecting in their family group. And then they're connecting with another family group that is encouraging and challenging and competing with. And there's something about comp competing together that drives in this, this team mentality um, that we do at Falls Creek. And so as we go throughout this whole week, they are bonding with 18 to 20 other kids really intently. So that way, when we come back from Falls Creek, 
they have 18 to 20 kids that they're really, really close to. Um, and we do that on purpose because we really believe in community. We really believe in the value of fellowship. And so um, it's just, it's something that we try to incorporate in almost everything that we do. Yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. There's so, there's so much there uh, with, with community that every, anybody listening can, especially coming off of the year we had with 2020, where everybody had a, a, a form of community, but it was virtual you know, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can feel. There's only so much warmth you can get from other people through a screen. I mean, it's just, it's just different. It's two-dimensional. So I think now more than ever, fostering that kind of community, whether it's in the student ministry or church-wide or in any ministry within the church, getting people to do life together is, is huge. Um, and then I think when when you couple that with a really intentional approach to how you teach and how you communicate, because by the way, I'm sure that because community is a value, it's something that you teach about as well. Mm-hmm. It's not like these two things are mutually exclusive. Like you want it to, you want these people to be connected, so you teach on connection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's that that's that's so good. That's so huge. Thanks. <laughs> hey, one of the things that uh, is just a fun memory uh, that we had, and you mentioned it before, is uh, we memorized the first two chapters of James together. And mm-hmm. this was something that you, it was your idea. And I think at, at the time we were just like wanting to memorize more scripture. And you said, hey, what if we memorized an entire book? And we mirror, cause I was in my like freshman year of college or junior, sophomore year of college, something like that. And we called each other, I think every Thursday night. And we mm-hmm. had to have had, we had to have like five more verses memorized. And we would start at the very beginning of James every time James one, one and go all the way through to whatever the new part was. <laughs> and to this day, I mean, we're talking that was in like 2005. So 16 years later, I still know most of that. I still, I mean, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Greetings. <laughs> Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you yeah. face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Um, that was awesome. And, and that was like iron, iron sharpening iron kind of stuff that it just has served me well. I mean, I still like, I'll be talking to someone and I'll say, hey, well, you know, James one says, uh, do not, you know, or whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll pull it from the, I'll pull it from mm-hmm. that memorization. And obviously, like I've memorized other parts of scripture, and I know you have, you have too. But there was something about just the, the volume of just, just we're gonna just tackle this thing. And I think we, we went through the second chapter, maybe a little bit into the third. I think we did like two and a half, and then yeah, kind of got bogged down. Yeah. But it was great. Those are great yeah, memories. Was, yeah. And we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of memories like that, not just memorizing scripture, but causing trouble in the streets of streets of Mustang, Oklahoma. That's right. You know? We used to Y and B. Yes. Yeah. We worked together at a at a little bank. We were tellers. Yes. And it was like a bank drive through that was a little like looked like a little shed in the middle of a parking lot. Like a that, snow cone hut. Yeah, a little snow cone hut with a little TV. And we had back in those days, is like the Stone Age, we had these little VHS tapes that we'd put into a VHS player and watch like we watched Dumb and Dumber probably what 300 times in a year, maybe. Probably. Yeah. It was 
We, I mean, we could memorize it. We had to memorize it. We memorized the first two chapters of James and the entire script of Dumb and Dumber. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so for and, people that say they can't memorize scripture, uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. If you can. Yeah. So I was at the gym the other day and somebody started quote. I'm sure you do this too. Somebody gave one little quote from Dumb and Dumber that our pets heads are falling off. And I quoted that entire section. I just went all the way straight from, uh, you know, and I'm sick and tired of, I'm sick and tired of trying to eke my way through life, you know, and I did both parts. I went on, for, I went on for literally five minutes and everybody's just, is he done yet? He's, he's still doing this. It, that's fun. It's good. But we've had a good, we've had a good long, had a good long uh, friendship and, um, and it's just been so much fun to watch you know, I've just enjoyed watching what, what you've done. And I've all like, I've just always admired your spirit and your approach to ministry, your approach to, to serving and loving your wife and your family and loving Jesus and pointing people to love him. So I consider you a great friend and I'm so glad that you came on the show today. Really appreciate it. I think this was really helpful for anybody listening and I know it's going to serve, it's going to serve them well. So thank you. Thank you for having me, man. I just want to echo. I think that you're awesome. Um, the way that you serve your family and love them and provide for them uh, as an encouragement to me and to see the journey that God has had for you uh, as you have been uh, in ministry and just continuing to, to pour out. The way that you encourage pastors is encouraging to me. And so I just want you to know that I appreciate that, man. Cool. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Thanks yeah, for coming on. Hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. You can check out more from Kyle at Mr. Kyle Smith on Instagram. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Really appreciate you listening. Really appreciate you watching. And I will see you next week. And until then, remember if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Mm-hmm.